Well, all right. Good morning, Soul City Church. How is everybody this morning? On this lovely, lovely rainy day. Well, my name is John Jorgensen. I am a part of the teaching team here. If you've been coming here for a while, you probably know me as the tall guy who does the announcements. And I am very excited to be talking with you for a little bit longer today. Uh, my wife, Erin, and I, we've been coming, as Kelly said, to this church for the last couple years. And I guess I just keep tricking them into letting me on stage more and more. So here we are today. Uh, but I really am very grateful to Jarrett and Jeannie for inviting me to be a part of this incredible teaching series. When I'm not here, either serving or attending Soul City, I actually run my own ministry. And half of that ministry exists with me traveling around the country and speaking and teaching at different churches, at different conferences and other faith organizations. And then the other half of that ministry actually exists through my YouTube channel. That's right, I am that much of a millennial. <laughs> and proud of it, baby, proud of it. For the last five years or so, I have been producing and sharing different faith-based videos on YouTube, whether that be Bible study curriculum or short sermons or spoken word poetry. So big shout out to all of our friends who are watching online or listening to the podcast. You are my people. You are my church. Here we go. You all are my church as well. Love you. <laughs> but more important than all of that, this morning I have the honest privilege of speaking with you all as we continue in our spiritually practical series. And for those of you who've been with us in this series, you know we have been talking about the spiritual things of God. These things that we often think of as big and mysterious and sometimes confusing. We've been taking those things and we've been boiling, boiling them down to make them as simple and as practical as possible. And I don't know about you, but that is exactly what this series has done for me thus far. Whether it's been through taking a quiz and maybe discovering or rediscovering my spiritual gifts. Maybe you've learned to look at the Bible in a different way. Or maybe last week you were here and you learned about simply praying and praying simply. We've done our best to get as practical as possible in this series. But before we start today, I do want to make one thing very, very clear. You see, just because we're working to make faith a little simpler... Just because we're working in this series to make faith maybe a little bit more practical does not mean that we want your faith to be smaller. You see, this isn't a series about how you can read your Bible quicker. But the reason that we're actually giving you maybe some of these little life hacks, these small little changes that you can make in your life, is actually so you can experience more of the fullness of what God has for you. Really, in essence, this series is about how small changes in your life can make a big difference in your faith. There are these little small tweaks, these little small things that you can do in your life that are actually going to make a huge difference in your relationship with God. And that's what we're trying to do here. So as much as these spiritual life hacks, they're fun, they're great, the purpose of them is for you to use them to make a difference, not only in your life, but also in the lives of other people. And that is a perfect segue for where we are going today. <laughs> today, we continue in this spiritually practical series by talking about sharing your faith with other people. Some of you may be somewhat familiar with an old, slightly churchy word. Today, I wanna talk to you all about evangelism. <laughs> That's right. 
But you see, we have a problem, friends. And that is because while preparing this message on evangelism, Jarrett told me that I cannot use the word evangelism in it. So thanks a lot, Team Stevens. Picking on the new guy. All right. But I get it. You know, I get it. Because I imagine that for many people in this room, we have different experiences with this word, right? Maybe some of you have never heard this word evangelism without the prefix tele in front of it, right? Some of you, you hear the word evangelism and you think about that pastor with a spray tan and a $10,000 suit saying like, we're believing God's going to provide our church with their own private jet. And if you'd like to help God out with that, you can donate below by dialing this number, right? Others of you, you hear the word evangelism and you think about a guy on the street holding a sign, screaming at everyone who walks by, repent or go to hell. Sometimes I walk by those people and I just want to be like, no, you go to, never mind, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> and still, I imagine that there are others of you who you hear that word evangelism and you're not even maybe sure exactly what that means. You're not really sure exactly what we're talking about. And so I get it. I get why Jarrett wouldn't want me to use that word. And to be honest, I'm at peace with that. Because you see, I like to give my messages titles. I find that it really helps me. It helps it to stick a little bit. And evangelism is a pretty weak title for a message. So today, what I want to talk with you all about, what I want you to consider, the title of my message today is Public Faith. Now, I know some of you are thinking, John, that's really good. <laughs> and others of you who are more cynical are thinking, John, isn't that the same thing? <laughs> yes, but at least I'm following Jarrett's rules. That's all I'm saying. Really today, though, what we're actually talking about is what do you do when someone asks you what you believe? What do you do when you're in a conversation with someone and they ask you about faith? How do you talk with someone about it? How do you talk with somebody about the spiritual things of God, someone who maybe believes differently than you do? How do you talk with someone who maybe doesn't believe at all? How do you talk about it without getting flustered? How do you talk about it if you don't know what to say? Or how about this? How do you talk about it without being weird? How do you talk about it without being forceful? How do you talk about it when you're nervous? If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to the Gospel of John. And if you don't have one, don't worry. Baird and his team have taken good care of you. They placed a Bible just under the seat in front of you, just for you today. If you want to grab that, open it up to John chapter 4, verse 28. John chapter 4, verse 28 on the Soul City Bible. That is on page 863. John 4, verse 28. A little background on this passage that we're about to read. You see, Jesus, he has just had this incredible conversation with a woman at a well. And some of you, you might be familiar with this woman's story. You see, this woman she had had a rough past. She had had bad marriage after bad marriage. She had likely been mistreated by many of the women in her village. They whispered about her, or even worse, they probably said things directly to her face. And that's probably why she went to collect water from this well in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, because she knew that's when no one else would be there. 
She knew that's when she could go and she wouldn't have to deal with the judgmental stares and those hateful words of other people. But in this conversation that this woman has, Jesus treats her differently than any other man or any other person has ever treated her before. You see, while everyone else confines her to her past, Jesus here offers her a future. And in just one conversation with Jesus, this woman, who has never felt that she has any value, is completely transformed. Isn't that an amazing story? We're not going to talk about that story today. We're not going to talk about that story today, but instead, I actually want us to focus on what the woman did after her conversation with Jesus. Because I don't know if you realize this, but what you do after you encounter Jesus matters. What you do after you have a moment with Jesus actually matters. This woman, she had a moment with Jesus. And maybe you, in your past, maybe it was right here at this church, you had a moment, an encounter with Jesus. And I want you to hear, while that moment was powerful, while that moment was meaningful to you, while that moment was significant, it's the movement that happens after the moment that matters. You see, some of you are stuck in a moment this morning. Or perhaps some of you are looking to recreate your first moment with God when you really felt passionate about who God was and what he was doing in your life. And you're waiting for God to recreate a moment when he's actually calling you to movement, to move forward, to walk differently, to live differently. You see, friends, the transformation that Jesus brings, it is not meant to change the way we feel for a moment. It's much more than that. It's actually meant to change the way we live for a lifetime. What you do after your moment matters. What this woman did after matters. And that is our focus today. Our text is John chapter 4, verse 28. And in it, it says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now, I want to unpack this text for us in just a second, but before we do, I want to talk very briefly about some of those guilty pleasures that you all just discussed. Because my bet is that some of you talked about maybe a dessert that you love. Others of you, maybe like Kelly, you talked about a TV show that you love. And I'm willing to bet your TV show was probably on Bravo, yes? But you see, for me, I, I don't have a guilty pleasure that is a specific television show. I am a much worse sinner than all of you. I actually am addicted to an entire television network. You see, my guilty pleasure is actually HGTV. Some of you are with me. Some of you are with me this morning, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You see, there's a story behind this. I mentioned before my wonderful wife, Aaron. You see, three years ago, Aaron and I, we got married, which means that three years ago, I married a very passionate woman. And one of her passions just so happens to be home and garden television. And so what would happen in the first couple months Aaron and I were married is every single night, she would watch HGTV. And I would kind of sit next to her on the couch, half paying attention, but secretly streaming the NBA on my phone because I didn't really care much. I didn't really care much to watch these shows. However, I want you all to know that a transformation has taken place in my life. 
I want you all to know that now, just three years into our marriage, it is not uncommon for Aaron to come home to find me neck deep in an episode of Property Brothers. <laughs> like now, I actually care whether they love it or list it. I am absolutely ready to see their fixer-upper every single time. Show it to me, Chip. Show it to me, Joanna. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. You see, my wife, she is passionate about HGTV. She loves it. And so she wanted to share it with me. Because here's the thing. You share what you care about. You do. You do, don't you? I mean, think about it. Think about your life. You share what you care about. When a friend of yours comes to Chicago for the first time, I'm willing to bet that you take them out to your favorite restaurant. Why? So you have an excuse to eat there, but also because you wanna share it with them. You wanna share the food, you wanna share the atmosphere. We do this with so many things. We do this with shows on Netflix. We do this with the podcasts we listen to. When you care about something, you share it with other people. And as much as we do this with the shows and the food and the relationships that we love, how often do we do it with our faith? You know, you say that you love Jesus, but how often do you talk about that love with other people? You say you have a relationship with God, and yet you can be so hesitant to talk about that relationship with anybody besides your church friends. And again, maybe for you, it's because you don't want to be weird, right? You don't want to be pushy. You don't want to tell other people how to live. You don't want to be that person. Or maybe for you, it's just because you don't really feel like you know enough. You don't really know what to say. You don't feel like you have enough knowledge of the Bible. You don't have enough information about God to start talking about God to other people. I want us to notice something about this story. Because you see, in this story, this woman, she has a moment with Jesus. And that moment leads to movement. This woman moves forward. She goes back to her town and she becomes very public about her faith. She starts telling everybody what Jesus has done in her life. Now, here's my question for you. How long has she known Jesus at this point? How much does she know about him? How many Bible verses do you think this woman has memorized? You see, what I want you to be encouraged by is when this woman goes back and begins to share her faith publicly, she doesn't give a sermon. She doesn't have a PowerPoint presentation. She has no three easy steps. She has no statistics. She has no degree in theology. She simply shares the story of what Jesus has done in her life. And that's what we do. We share an experience with Jesus. That moment we talked about earlier, we share it with other people. And she does it through an invitation. She says, come. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. She just shares an invitation. And that's exactly what public faith is. Public faith is more invitation than information. How about this? Do you, do you remember when you were a little kid and you got an invitation to a friend's birthday party? I'm talking about when you actually got a physical envelope in the mail, not like their mom added your mom to a Facebook group, okay? I'm talking, you got this physical invitation. My guess is you were pretty jacked about this. 
you were pretty excited about it. I'm also willing to, get, to guess that you weren't very interested in the details of the affair. You weren't very much concerned with what time the party started. You didn't worry about how you were going to get there or how you were going to get home. You didn't turn to your mom and say, so mom, is this like a gift thing or... You didn't care about the information because you were invited. And as much as we would like to think otherwise, sharing our faith with other people does not require us to have all the information. Sharing our faith with other people, it doesn't require us to have the whole Bible memorized. Public faith does not require you to have all the answers, but it does require you to invite other people to come and see the God who does. It requires us to simply invite people. And by the way, the Bible doesn't say this, but it wasn't just what the woman said to the people in her town, was it? Because it couldn't have been, right? You remember we talked about earlier how this woman, she had a past, didn't she? She'd been living a certain way. And so I'm sure that when she went back to her town and she started talking about faith and talking about Jesus, people didn't listen to her at first. I'm sure that she starts talking about Jesus and transformation and faith, and I'm sure they looked at her and thought, oh, you're all religious now. What about last week? What about the last guy? They're confining her to her past but there's a detail at the beginning of this story that we often miss. In verse 28, it says this, then leaving her water jar. This is significant because when this woman left her experience with Jesus, she went back to her town and she started talking about faith very, very differently, but she also left her water jar behind. Meaning, she left her old life behind. She left her old habits behind. She left what she used to do, how she used to act. She left her old identity behind. And when she went back and started talking about her faith, she also started living differently. Some of you here are in this room and you've had your moment with Jesus and you're ready to move forward, but you gotta leave some stuff behind first. What do you have to leave behind today? What habits, what patterns, what relationships in your life do you actually need to leave behind before you move forward and start inviting other people? This woman, she went forward and she started not only talking about her faith, but living it differently. And it was the mixture of her talking about her faith and her living her transformation that caused other people to respond. Because here's the other thing about public faith. Public faith is more example than explanation. Sharing your faith with others, as much as we would like to think otherwise, as much as we like to think we need to say the perfect thing, it is way more about the example that you are living than it is about the explanation that you are giving them. It is more about an example. Did you know that you can share your faith with other people without ever even saying a word? At our church, we have a tech director. His name is Laz. And Laz does not say a word from this stage on a given Sunday. Not to all of you. But through his leadership behind the scenes, 
You better bet that Laz shares his faith publicly every single weekend without even saying a word. My mother and father-in-law, they don't give sermons. They are not pastors, but I'll tell you what, every single time they opened up their doors to one of our friends growing up who's having a tough time at home, every single time they said, come on in, you can stay here. Every single time they did that, they shared their faith. There's an unattributed quote that has become very popular on Christian Facebook recently. Some of y'all never been to Christian Facebook. What a treat. But I actually like this one quote. It says, public faith, it says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times through an example, through living an example, and when necessary, use words, give an explanation. It's about example more than explanation. Now, I want us to go back to the text for a second, and I want us to see what happened as a result of this woman sharing her story. I'm going to skip down to verse 39. I'm still in John chapter 4, verse 39. It says this, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You see, not everyone who heard this woman's story came to faith in Jesus right away. Some of them did. Others of them were very touched by her story, but for the majority of them, her invitation simply drew them one step closer to Jesus. For many of them, and I'm willing to bet for many of us in this room, it was a process. And that's because public faith is more process than product. I don't know about you, but whenever I get in a conversation with somebody about faith, I feel all this pressure, you know? Like, I feel all this pressure that the person I'm talking to, their whole life has to change in this one conversation. Like, if I am not baptizing this Uber driver before he drops me off, I have failed, you know? But I'm willing to bet, if you think about your own journey with Jesus, it's been a process, hasn't it? It wasn't just one conversation. You've had significant moments along the way, but it's been a process. Our mission here at this church, we talk about it all the time, to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. That's a process. Some of us need to take the pressure off. And please, do us all a favor. When you start talking to other people about your faith, Do not treat people like a product. Don't treat them like they're some product to be produced or some means to an end. Because sharing your faith, it's not about producing a product in the other person. It's actually about allowing God to use you as a part of someone else's process. It's about being used in the process, being a part of someone's journey. 
my wife has this friend. And over the past several months, this friend's been just having a really difficult time at her job. There's been a lot of broken relationships, there's been burned bridges, and there has been a whole lot of drama. And this is a friend that would not consider herself a Christian or anything like that. But a couple of months ago, Aaron shared with her the drama triangle. Some of you might remember a few months ago, Jarrett, he, he shared this incredible tool with us, something we can use to help us deal with the drama in our lives in a godly way. And so Aaron just simply shared this with her friend and her friend turned to her and goes, whoa, you learned that in church? And Aaron just said, yeah, why don't you come and see? We have extended several invitations for her to come to Soul City and to see for herself what this faith is all about. Because here's the thing, you share what you care about. And by the way, you should share it with who you care about. Every now and then, Aaron will finish a conversation with her friend. They, they've been walking through this together, like I said, for months. And every now and then, they'll finish a conversation and Aaron's friend will turn to her and go, gosh, you're such a good person. <laughs> and I agree. My wife is an amazing person. But more than that, she gets up every day and she lives as an incredible example of what this faith should look like. She's an example. And you know, the thing that I love most about this story is that it does not tie up in a nice, neat bow. She still has not accepted any of our invitations. And that's okay because we believe that God has her on a journey. She is in her own process and we are so grateful that we get to play a small part in it. And so every couple weeks, when it naturally comes up in conversation, we just say, hey, we love our church. We love the people there. We love what God is doing there. Would you just come and see? We try and make it very clear, not only to her, but to everyone in our lives that they have an open invitation. Not only to our church, but to our faith in general. It is an open invitation. And I want to be clear. Aaron and I do not do this because this is our gift. We took the same quiz that y'all did and we did not get the evangelism email in return. This is not our gift. But we do this because this is what the gospel is. The gospel is an open invitation. What Jesus dying on the cross did is it opened up an invitation for each and every person, regardless of your background, regardless of your doubts, regardless of your knowledge or lack thereof, Jesus opened up an invitation for each and every person to be invited into the family of God. It's an open invitation. And so this week, as we do every week, we have some homework for you. Our creative team has put together these little cards. And they just say Soul City on them. On the back, it has some of our information. And your homework is to take a few of these as you leave. And in a totally natural, non-forceful, non-weird way, 
just share it with one person. It can be for them to come join you next week. It could just be for them to check it out online. Doesn't matter. You can share it with someone at work. You can share it with a friend who you've talked about Soul City a lot with, but maybe never explicitly invited them. You can share it with your Uber driver on the way home. I don't care. Just say, hey, no pressure. But this is something I really care about. This has made a huge difference in my life, and I just wanted to share it with you. Would you come and see? Would you come with me and see? I'll save you a seat. I'd love to sit right next to you. And let's not forget everybody. (laughs) I don't know everyone's story in this room, but my guess is that at some point or another, someone did this for you. Someone did something like this for you. I remember when I was 14 years old, wasn't really following God at the time necessarily, didn't really know anything about all this stuff. And a guy named Dave, he simply invited me to come to a summer camp. And I went to that camp, I had the time of my life. But more than that, that week I had, not unlike the woman in the story, I had a transformational moment with Jesus that absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. I am completely changed as a result of going to that camp and it started with an invitation. And the opportunity that we have this week, the opportunity that you have is to be that person for somebody else. This isn't homework. We get to do this. As followers of Christ, whether you know a ton about Jesus and you've been following him for years, or you're like this woman, you made a decision during worship today. You have an opportunity to invite people into the greatest party that has ever been thrown. You have an opportunity to play a part in someone's process. A process that not only is going to change their life, it's a process that could change their entire eternity. Now I understand that for many of us, myself included, this homework might make you a little uncomfortable. I'll talk about Jesus to 800 of you for hours, but one-on-one, pray for me, okay? And so here's what I'd like to do. I would like to pray for all of us. I would like to pray that not only would God give us the courage, but that God would also give us the opportunity. Would you stand with me? There is a posture of prayer that we often take around here where we place our hands out to receive something. And maybe for you today, you need to receive courage or you need to receive an opportunity or you need to receive words. I'm not sure what it is for you. But I want to pray now that God would give each and every one of us exactly what we need. And so, God, we thank you first and foremost We thank you for the open invitation that is the gospel. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that opened up a way and invited each and every one of us in. We thank you for the people who have played a part in our process, who have invited us. And God, I pray that now you would strengthen each and every person in this room, that we would receive your courage, 
that we would receive your love, that we would receive your humility and grace, and you would lead us into conversations this week to share the story of what you've done in our lives, to live the example, to share the invitation, and God, help us to be patient in the process. Lord, we love you. I pray a blessing over each and every person in this church as they go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.